This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Chip in Tampa, Florida, on March the 7th, 2006. The Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer, edited by D. Lang Purvis. This reading is based on the book The Canterbury Tales and Other Poems. The original text contains poems by Chaucer and a lot of notes and explanations by the editor. To view these, please click on the Gutenberg e-text link on the LibriVox catalog page of The Canterbury Tales. The Clerk's Tale The Prologue Sir Clerk of Oxenford, our hostess said, Ye ride as still and coy as doth a maid that were new-spoused. Sitting at the board this day, I heard not of your tongue a word. I trow ye study about Sophim, but Solomon saith, Everything hath time, for God's sake, be of better cheer. It is no time for to study here. Tell us some merry tale by your fay, for what man that is entered in a play he needes must unto that play assent, but preach not, as friars do in Lent, to make us for our old sinners weep, nor that thy tale make us not to sleep. Take us some merry thing of adventures, your terms, your colours, and your figures, Keep them in store, till so ye be indite, High style, as when that men to kinges write. Speak so plain at this time, I you pray, That we may understand what you say. The worthy clerk benignedly answered, Hosta, quoth he, I am under your yard. Ye have of us as now the governance, and therefore would I do you obeisance. As far as reason asketh hardily, I will you tell a tale, which that I learned at Padova of a worthy clerk, as proved by his words and his work. He is now dead, and nailed in his chest. I pray to God give his soul good rest. Francis Petrarch, the laureate poet, hieth this clerk, whose rhetoric so sweet illumined all etale of poetry as linen did of philosophy or law or other art particular. But death, that will not suffer us dwell here, but as it were a twinkling of an eye, them both hath slain, and all shall we die. But forth to tellen of this worthy man that taught me this tale as I began, I say that first he with high style inditeth, ere he the body of his tale writeth, a poem, in the which describeth he Piedmont, and of Salises the country, and speaketh of the Pennine hills high, that be the bounds of all West Lombardy, and Mount Vesulus in special, Whereas the Po, out of a willis small, Taketh his first springing and his source, That eastward I increaseth in his course, Temilia ward to Ferraro and Venice, The which a long thing were to device, And truly, as to my judgment, me thinketh, 
it a thing impertinent, save that he would convey this matter, but this is the tale which that ye shall hear. THE TALE PARS PRIMA There is, right at the west side of Itale, down at the root of Vesuvius, the cold, a lusty plain, abundant of vitile, there many a town and tower thou mayst behold, that founded there in time of fathers old, and many another delectable sight, and Salusis this noble country height. A Marcus, whom lord was of that land, as were his worthy elders him before, and obedient, I ready to his hand were all his lieges, both less and more. Thus in delight he lived, and had done your beloved and drad, though favour of fortune both of his lords and of his commune. Therewith he was to speak of lineage, the gentlest e-born of Lombardy, a fair person, and strong, and young of age, and full of honour and courtesy, discreet enough his country for to gee, saving in some things that he was to blame, and Walter was this young lord's name. I blame him thus, that he considered not in time coming what might him betide, but on his present lust was all his thought, and for to hawk and hunt on every side, well nigh all other cares let he slide, and eke he would, that was the worst of all, wedded no wife for aught that might befall. Only that point his people bear so sore that Flockmel, on a day to him they went, and one of them, that wisest was of lore, or Ella's that the Lord would best assent, that he should tell him what the people meant, or Ella's could he well shew such matter, he to the Marcus said, as ye shall hear. O noble Marcus, your humanity assureth us, and gives us hardiness, as oft as time is of necessity, that we to you may tell our heaviness. Accept, O Lord, now of your gentleness, what we with piteous heart unto you plain, and let your ears my voice not disdain. All have I not to do in this matter, more than another man hath in his place, yet forasmuch as ye, my lord so dear, have always shewed me favour and grace, I dare the better ask of you a space of audience to shewen our request, and ye, my lord, to do right as you lest. For certes, lord, so well us like you and your work, and ever have done, that we nay could not ourselves devise how we might live in more felicity. Save one thing, lord, if that your will it be that for to be a wedded man you lest, then were your people in sovereign hearts rest. Bow your neck under the blissful yoke of sovereignty, and not of service, which that men call espousal or wedlock, and think, O Lord, among your thoughtes wise, how that our days pass in sundry wise, for though we sleep, or wake, or roam, or ride, 
I fleeth time, it will no man abide. And though your greene youth flower as yet in creepeth age, always as still as stone, and death menaceth every age, and smit in each estate, for there escapeth none, and all so certain as we know each one that we shall die, as uncertain we all be of that day when death shall on us fall. Except then of us the true intent that never yet refused your hest, and we will, Lord, if that ye will assent, choose you a wife in short a time at the last. Born of the gentlest and of the best of all this land, So that it ought to seem honor to God and you, And we can deem. Deliver us out of all this busy dread, And take a wife for high God's sake, For if it so befell, as God forbid, That through your death your lineage should slake, And that a strange successor should take your heritage, O oh, woe were us on leave, wherefore we pray you hastily to weave. Their meeke prayer and their piteous cheer made the Marcus for to have pity. Ye will, quoth he, mine own people dear, to that I ne'er e'er thought constrain a me. I me rejoiced of my liberty, that seldom time is found in marriage. Where I was free, I must be in serviage. But natheless I see your true intent, And trust upon your wit, and have done I, Wherefore of my free will I will assent To wed me as soon as e'er I may. But whereas ye have proffered me to-day To choose me a wife, I you release that choice, and pray you of the proper cease. For God it wot that children often been, Unlike their worthy elders them before, Bounty comes all of God, not of the strain, Of which they be engendered and ebore. I trust in God's bounty, and therefore My marriage and mine estate and rest I him betake. He may do as him lest. Let me alone in choosing of my wife, That charge upon my back I will endure. But I you pray and charge upon your life, That what wife that I shall take, Ye me ensure to worship her, While that her life may dure, In a word and work both here and elsewhere, As she an emperor's daughter were. And furthermore this shall ye swear, That ye against my choice shall never grudge nor strive, For since I shall forego my liberty at your request, And ever may I thrive, Whereas mine heart is set, there will I live. And but ye will assent in such manner, I pray you speak no more of this matter. With heartly will they sworn and assent to all this thing. There said not one white nay, beseeching him of grace, Ere that they went, that he would grant them A certain day of his espousal, soon as e'er he may. 
for yet always the people somewhat dread, lest that the Marcus would no wife wed. He granted them a day, such as him lest, on which he would be wedded sickerly, and said he did with all this at their request, and they with humble heart, full buxomly kneeling upon their knees, full reverently he thanked all, and thus they have an end of their intent, and home again they wend. And hereupon he to his officers commanded for the feast to purvey, and to his privy knights and squires such charge he gave, as him list on them lay, and they to his commandment obey, and each of them doth all his diligence to do unto the feast all reverence. Pars Secunda Not far from Thilic Palace Honorable, where, as this Marcus shope his marriage, there stood a thorpe of slighte delectable, in which the poor folk of that village had their beasts and their harborage, and their labor took their sustenance after the earth gave them abundance. Among this poor folk there dwelt a man, which that was holden poorest of them all. But high God sometimes send a can his grace unto a little ox's stall. Janicola, men of that thorpe him call, a daughter had he, fair enough to sight, and Griseldus this young maiden hight. But for to speak of virtuous beauty, then she was one the fairest under sun, for poorly fostered up was she, no likerous lust was in her heart de run. Well ofter of the well than of the tun she drank, and for she would virtue please, she knew well labor, but no idle ease. But though this maiden tender were of age, yet in the breast of her virginity there was enclosed a sad and ripe courage, and in great reverence and charity her poor old father fostered she, a few sheep spinning on the field she kept, she would not be idle till she slept. And when she homeward came, she would bring waters and other herbs times oft, the which she shred and seeth for her living, and made her bed full hard and nothing soft. And I she kept her father's life on loft with every obeisance and diligence that child may do to father's reverence. Upon Grisilda this poor creature full often sides, this Marcus set his eye, and he on hunting rode peradventure, and when it fell that he might her espy, he not with wanton looking of folly his iron cast on her, but in sad wise upon her cheer he would him oft advise. Commending in his heart her womanhead, and eke her virtue, passing any white of so young age, as well in cheer as deed, for though the people have no great insight in virtue, he considered full right her bounty, and disposed that he would wed only her, if wed ever he should.' 
The day of wedding came, but no wight can tell what woman that it should be, for such marvail wondered many a man, and said, When they were in privity, will not our Lord yet leave his vanity? Will he not wed? Alas, alas the while! Why will he thus himself and us beguile? But natheless this Marcus had done make of gemmas set in gold and in azure, brooches and rings for Griselda's sake, and of her clothing he took the measure of a maiden like unto her stature, and eke of other ornaments all that unto such a wedding should afall. The time of undern of the same day approached that this wedding should be, and all the palace was put in array, both hall and chamber each in its degree, houses of office stuffed with plenty, that mayest thou see of daintiest vital that may be found as far as lasts ital. This royal marquis, richly arrayed, lordes and ladies in his company, the which unto the feast were prayed, and of his retinue the bachelory, with many a sound of sundry melody unto the village of the which I told, in this array the right way did they hold. Griseld of this God wot full innocent, that for her shapen was all this array, to fetch a water at a well is went, and home she came as soon as e'er she may, for well she heard say that on that day the Marcus should wed, and if she might, she fain would have seen somewhat of that sight. She thought, I will with other maidens stand that be my fellows in our door, and see this marchioness, and therefore I will fand to do at home, as soon as it may be, the labor which belongeth to me, and then I may at leisure her behold, if she this way unto the castle hold. And as she would over the threshold gone, the marquis came and gan for her to call, and she set down her water-pot anon beside the threshold in an ox's stall, and down upon her knees she gan to fall, and with sad countenance kneeled still, till she had heard what was the lord's will. The thoughtful marquis spake unto the maid full soberly, and said in this manner, where is your father, Griseldis? he said. And she, with reverence, in humble cheer, answered, Lord, he is already here. And in this she went without longer let, and to the Marcus she her father fet. He by his hand then took the poor man, and said thus, when he him had aside, Janicola, I neither may nor can longer the pleasance of mine heart hide, if thou vouchsafe whatso betide, thy daughter will I take, ere that I wend, as for my wife, unto her life's end. Thou lovest me, that know I well certain, and art my faithful liegeman ebor. And all that liketh me I dare well sayen, it liketh thee, 
and specially, therefore, tell me that point that I have said before, if that thou wilt unto this purpose draw, to take me for thy son-in-law. This sudden case the man astonished so, that red he waxed, abashed, and all quaking. He stood on eths, and said he wordes mo, but only thus, Lord, quoth he, my willing is as ye will, nor against your liking I will do no thing, mine own lord so dear, right as you list govern this matter. Then will I, quoth the Marquis softly, that in thy chamber I and thou and she have a collation, and knowest thou why? For I will ask her, if her will it be, to be my wife, and rule her after me, and all this shall be done in thy presence. I will not speak out of thine audience. And in the chamber where they were about the treaty, which ye shall thereafter hear, the people came into the house without and wondered them, in how honest manner and tenderly she kept her father dear, but utterly Griselda's wonder might, for never erst day saw she such a sight. No wonder is, though that she be astoned, to see so great a guest come in that place. She never was to no such guestes wound, for which she looked with full pale face, but shortly forth this matter for to chase, these are the wordes that her Marcus said, to this Benigna very faithful maid. Griseld, he said, ye shall well understand, it liketh to your father and to me, that I you wed, and eke it may so stand, as I suppose ye will that it so be, but these demands ask I first, quoth he, since that it shall be done in hasty wise. Will ye assent, or else you advise? I say this, be ye ready with good heart to all my lust, and that I freely may, as me best thinketh, do you laugh or smart, and never ye to grudge night or day, and eke when I say yea, you may not nay, neither by word nor frowning countenance, swear this, and here I swear our alliance. Wondering upon this word, quaking for dread, she said, Lord, indigny and unworthy am I to this honor that ye me bed, but as ye will yourself, right so will I, and here I swear, that never unwillingly, in word or thought, I will you disobey, for to be dead, though me were loath to-day. This is enough, Griselda mine, quoth he, and forth he went, with a full sober cheer, out of the door, and after then came she, and to the people he said in this manner, This is my wife, quoth he, that standeth here, Honour her, and love her, I you pray, Whoso me loves, there is no more to say. 
and for that nothing of her olde gear she should bring into his house, he bade that women should despoil her right there, of which these ladies were nothing glad to hand her clothes wherein she was clad. But natheless this maiden bright of you from foot to head, they clothed have all new. Her hairs have they combed that lay untressed full rudely, and with their fingers small, a crown upon her head they have dressed, and set her full of nouches great and small. Of her array, why should I make a tale, unless the people her knew for her fairness, when she transmuted was in such richness? The marquis had her spousid with a ring, brought for the same cause, and then her set upon a horse, snow-white, and well ambling, and to his palace, ere he longer let, with joyful people, that her led and met conveyed her, and thus the day they spend in revel till the sun again descend. And shortly forth this tale for to chase, I say that, to this new marchioness, God hath such favour sent her of his grace, that it nay seemed not by likeliness that she was born and fed in rudeness, and in a cot or in an ox's stall, but nourished in an emperor's hall. To every white she waxen is so dear and worshipful that folk where she was born that from her birth knew her year by year unethestrode, but they in durst have sworn that to Janicole, of whom I spake before, she was not daughter, for by conjecture them thought she was another creature. For, though that ever virtuous was she, she was increased in such excellence of Thua's good, ye set in high bounty, and so discreet and fair of eloquence, so benign and so digne of reverence, and could so the people's heart embrace, that each her loved that looked upon her face. Not only of Seleuces in the town published was the bounty of her name, but eke besides in many a region, if one well said, another said the same. So spread of here high bounty the fame, that men and women, young as well as old, went to Seleuces her for to behold. Thus Walter, lowly, nay, but royally, Wedded with fortunate Hodenstedt, in God's peace, lived full easily. At home, and outward grace enough had he, and for he saw that now under low degree was honest virtue held. The people him held a prudent man, and that is seen full seld. Not only this Griseldis through her wit couth all the feet of wifely homeliness, but eke when that case required it, the common prophet could she redress. There nas discord, rancord, or heaviness in all the land that she could not appease, and wisely bring them all in rest and ease. Though that her husband absent were or none, if gentlemen or other of that country were wroth, she would bring them at once, so wise and ripe worded as had she, 
and judgment of so great equity, that she from heaven sent was, as men wend, people to save, and every wrong to mend. Not long a time after that this Griseld was wedded, she a daughter had ye bore. All she had lever borne a knave-child, glad was the Marcus, and his folk therefore. For though a maiden-child came all before, she may unto a knave-child attain, but likelihood since she is not barren. Pars Tertia there fell, as falleth many timers mo, when that his child had sucked but a throw, this Marcus in his heart longed so to tempt his wife, her sadness for to know, that he may not out of his heart a throw this marvellous desire his wife to say, needless God wot he thought her to affray. He had assayed her enough before, and found her ever good, that needed it her for to tempt, and always more and more, though some men praise it for a subtle wit. But as for me, I say that evil it sit, to say a wife when that it is no need, and put a her in anguish and in dread. For which this Marcus woke in this manner, he came at night alone, where, as she lay with stern face and with full troubled cheer, and said thus, Griseld, quoth he, that day that I took you out of your poor array, and put you in a state of high noblesse, ye have not forgotten, as I guess. I say, Griseld, this present dignity in which that I have put you as I trow, maketh you not forgetful for to be that I took you in poor estate full low. For any weal you must yourself know, take heed of every word that I you say. There is no wight that hears it, but we tway. Ye know yourself well how that ye came here into this house, it is not long ago. And though to me ye may be right lefay and dear, unto my gentles ye be nothing so. They say to them it is a great shame and woe for to be subject and be in servage to thee, that art born of small lineage. And, namely, since thy daughter was ye bore, these wordes have they spoken doubtless, but I desire, as I have done before, to live my life with them in rest and peace. I may not in this case be reckless, I must do with thy daughter for the best, not as I would, but as my gentles lest. And yet, God wot, this is full loath to me, but natheless, without your weeting, I will not do. But this will I, quoth he, that ye to me assenten in this thing, shew now your pestilence in your working, that ye me height and swore in your village, the day that make it was our marriage. When she heard all this, she not amoved, 
neither in word, nor cheer, nor countenance. For, as it seemed, she was not aggrieved. She said, Lord, all lies in your pleasance. My child and I, with hearty obeisance, be yours all, and ye may save or spill your own thing. Work then after your will. There may no thing, so God my soul save, like to you, that may displease me. Nor I desire nothing for to have, nor dread for to lose, save only ye. This will is in mine heart, and I shall be, no length of time, nor death may this deface, nor change my courage to another place. Glad was the Marcus for her answering, but yet he feigned as he were not so. All dreary was his cheer and his looking, when that he should out of the chamber go, soon after this, a furlong way or two, he privily hath told all his intent unto a man, and to his wife him sent. A manor-sergeant was this private man, the which he faithful often founden had in thing as great, and eke such folk well can do execution in things bad. The Lord knew well that he him loved and dread, and when this sergeant knew his lord's will, into the chambers stalked he fuller still. Madam, he said, Ye must forgive it me, though I do thing to which I am constrained. Ye be so wise that right well know ye that lordes' hest may not be feigned. They may well be wailed and complained, but men must needs unto their lust obey. And so will I. There is no more to say. This child I am commanded for to take, and spake no more, but out the child he hent, dispiteously, and gan a cheer to make, as though he would have slain it, ere he went. Griseldus must all suffer and consent, and as a lamb she sat there meek and still, and let this cruel sergeant do his will. Suspicious was the defame of this man, suspect his face, suspect his word also, suspect the time in which he and this began. Alas, her daughter that she loved so she weaned, he would have it slain right though. But natheless she neither wept nor sighed, conforming her to what the Marcus liked. But at the last to speak as she began, and meekly she unto the sergeant prayed, so as he was a worthy gentleman, that she might kiss her child ere that it died. And in her barm this little child she laid with full sad face, and gan the child to bless, and lulled it, and after gan to kiss. And thus she said in her benigne voice, Farewell, my child, I shall thee never see. 
But since I have thee marked with the cross Of that father ye blessed mayst thou be, That for us died upon a cross of tree, Thy soul, my little child, I him betake, For this night shall thy din for my sake. I trow that to a Norris in this case It had been hard this Ruthie for to see, well might a mother then have cried, Alas! But natheless so sad steadfast was she, That she endured all adversity, And to the sergeant meekly she said, Have here again your little younger maid. Go now, quoth he, and do my lord's behest, And one thing would I pray you of your grace, but if my lord forbade you at the least, Bury this little body in some place That neither beasts nor birds it erase. But he no word would to that purpose say, But took the child and went upon his way. The sergeant came unto his lord again, And of Griselda's words, and of her cheer, He told him point for point, in short and plain, And him presented with his daughter dear. Somewhat this lord had ruth in his manner, But natheless his purpose held he still, As lorders do, when they will have their will. And bade this sergeant, that he privily should the child full softly wind and wrapped with all circumstances tenderly, and carry it in a coffer or in lap, but upon pain his head off for to swap, that no man should know of his intent, nor whence he came, nor whither that he went. But at Bologna to his sister dear, That at that time of panic was countess, He should it take, and shew her this matter, Beseeching her to do her business, This child to foster in all gentleness, And whose child it was he bade her hide From every wight for aught that might be tied. The sergeant went, and hath fulfilled this thing, But to the Marcus now returned we, For now he went full fast imagining, As if by his wife's cheer he might see, Or by her words apperceive that she were changed, But he never could her find, But ever in one alike sad and kind, As glad, as humble, as busy in service, and eke in love as she was wont to be, Was she to him in every manner wise. And of her daughter not a word spake she. No accident, for no adversity, was seen in her, Nor ere her daughter's name she named, Or in earnest, or in game. Pars Quarta. In this estate there passed before year, ere she with child was, as God who would a knave child she bare by this Walter, 
full gracious and fair for to behold. And when that folk it to its father told, not only he, but all his country merry, were for this child, and God they thank and harry. When it was two year old, and from the breast departed of the Norris, on a day this Marcus caught yet another lest to tempt his wife yet further, if she may. Oh, needless was she tempted in as say, but wedded men not conan no measure when that they find a patient creature. Wife, quoth the Marcus, ye have heard ere this my people sickly bear our marriage, and namely, since my son Eborin is, now is it worse than ever in all our age, the murmur slays mine heart and my courage. For to mine ears cometh the voice so smart, that it well nigh destroyed hath mine heart. Now say they thus, when Walter is he gone, then shall the blood of Janicol succeed and be our lord, for other have we none. Such words say my people out of dread. Well ought I of such murmur take heed, for certainly I dread all such sentence, though they not plainen in my audience. I would live in peace, if that I might, Wherefore I am disposed utterly, and I his sister served ere by night, right so think I to serve him privily, this I warn you, that ye not suddenly out of yourself, for no woe should outray, be patient, and thereof I you pray. I have, quoth she, said thus, and ever shall, I will no thing, nor nil no thing certain, but as you list, not grieveth me at all, though that my daughter and my son be slain at your commandment, that is so sane. I have not had no part of children twain, but first sickness, and after woe and pain. Ye be my lord, do with your own thing, write as you list, and ask no raid of me. For as I left at home all my clothing, when I came first to you, right so, quoth she, left I my will and all my liberty, and took your clothing, whereof I you pray, do your pleasance, I will your lust obey. And certes, if I had a prescience your will to know, ere ye your lust me told, I would it do without a negligence. But now I know your lust, and what ye wold. All your pleasance firm and stable I hold, for whilst I that my death might do you ease, right gladly would I die in you to please. Death may make no comparison unto our love, and when this Marcus say the constance of his wife, he cast adown his iron too, and wondered how she may in patience suffer all this array, 
and forth he went with dreary countenance. But to his heart it was full great pleasance. This ugly sergeant, in the same wise that to her daughter caught, Right so hath he, or worse, if men can any worse devise, he hent her son, that full was of beauty, and ever in one so patient was she, that she no cheerer made of heaviness, but kissed her son, and after gan him bless. Save this she prayed him, if that he might, her little son he would in earth a grave, his tender limbs delicate to sight, from fowls and from beasts for to save. But she none answer of him might have, he went his way, as him nothing knee not, but to Bologna tenderly it brought. The Marcus wondered ever longer more upon her patience, and, if that he not had as soothly known there before, that perfectly her children loved she, he would have weaned that of some subtly, and of malice, or for cruel courage, she had suffered this with sad visage. But well he knew that next to himself certain she loved her children best in every wise. But now of women would I ask fain if these assays might not suffice. What could a sturdy husband more devise to prove her wifehood and her steadfastness, and he continuing ever in sturdiness? But there be folk of such condition that, when they have a certain purpose take, they cannot stint of their intention, but right as they were bounden to a stake, that they will not of their first a purpose slake. Right so this Marquis fully hath proposed to tempt his wife, as he was first disposed. He waited, if by word or countenance, that she to him was changed and of courage, but never could he find a variance. She was I one in heart and in visage, and I the farther that she was in age, the more true, if that were possible, she was to him in love, and more penible. For which it deemed thus, that of them two there was but one will, for, as Walter Lest, the same pleasance was her lust, also, and, God be thanked, all fell for the best. She shewed well for no unworldly unrest, a wife as of herself no thing should, will in effect, but as her husband would. The slander of Walter wondrous widespread that of a cruel heart he wickedly, for he a poor woman wedded had, had murdered both his children privily. Such murmur was among them commonly, no wonder is, for to the people's ear there came no word, but that they murdered were. For which, whereas his people there before had loved him well, the slander of his defame made them that they him hated therefore to be a murderer 
is a hateful name. But natheless, for earnest or for game, he of his cruel purpose would not stent to tempt his wife all his intent. When that his daughter twelve year was of age, he to the court of Rome in supple wise, informed of his will, set his message, commanding him such bullas to devise, as to his cruel purpose may suffice, how that the Pope, for his people's rest, bade him to wed another, if him lest. I say he bade they should counterfeit the Pope's bulls, making intention that he had leave his first wife too late, to stint to rancor and dissension betwixt his people and him, thus spake the bull, the wish they have published at full. The rude people, as no wonder is, weaned full well that it had been right so, but when these tidings came to Griseldis, I deem that her heart was full of woe. But she, alike sad, for evermore disposed was this humble creature, adversity of fortune all tendure. Abiding ever his lust and his pleasance, to whom that she was given heart and all, as to her very worldly sufficience, but shortly, if this story tell I shall, the Marquis written hath in special a letter, in which he shewed his intent, and secretly it to Bologna sent. To the Earl of Panico, which had a though wedded his sister, prayed he specially to bring a home again his children too, in honourable estate, all openly. But one thing he him prayed utterly, that he to no wight, though men should inquire, should not tell whose children that they were. But, say, the maiden should be wedded be unto the Marquis of Salusanon, and as this earl was prayed, so did he. But, at day set, he on his way is gone toward Salus, and lord as many a one in rich array, this maiden for to guide, her younger brother riding her beside. Arrayed was toward her marriage, this fresher maiden full of gemmes clear, her brother, which that seven year was of age, arrayed eke full fresh in his manner, and thus, in great noblesse, with glad cheer, toward Salus's, shaping their journey from day to day they rode upon their way. Pars Quinta. Among all this, after his wick usage, the Marquis, yet his wife, to tempt him more, to the uttermost proof of her courage, fully to have experience and lore, if that she were as steadfast as before, he on a day in open audience, full boisterously said her this sentence. Certes, Griseld, I had enough pleasance to have you to my wife, for your goodness, 
and for your truth, and for your obeisance, not for your lineage, nor for your richness. But now know I in very soothfastness that in great lordship, if I well advise, there is great servitude in sundry wise. I may not do as every plowman may, my people me constraineth for to take another wife, and crieth day by day, and eke the pope a rancor for to slake, consenteth it, that dare I undertake, and truly thus much I will you say, my newer wife is coming by the way. Be strong of heart, and void anon her place, And the like dower that ye brought to me, Take it again, I grant it of my grace. Return it to your father's house, quoth he, No man may always have prosperity, With even heart I read you to endure The stroke of fortune, or of adventure. And she again answered in patience, My lord, quoth she, I know, and knew alway, How that betwixt your magnificence and my pervert No white nor can nor may make comparison. It is no nay. I held me never digna in no manner To be your wife, nor yet your chamberer. And in this house, where ye me lady make, The higher God take I for my witness, And all so wisely he my soul aglade, I never held me lady nor mistress, But humble servant to your worthiness, And ever shall, while that my life may dure, Abroven every worldly creature that ye so long of your benignity have holden me in honour and nobly, where as I was not worthy for to be, that thank I God, and you to whom I pray, for yielded you there is no more to say. Unto my father gladly I will wend, and with him dwell, unto my life's end. Where I was fostered as a child full small, Till I be dead, my life there shall I lead, A widow clean in body, heart, and all, For since I gave to you my maidenhead, And am your true wife, it is no dread, God shield such a lord as wife to take, Another man to husband or to make. And of your newer wife, God, of his grace, So grant you weal and all prosperity, For I will gladly yield to her my place, In which that I was blissful wont to be. For since it liketh you, my lord, quoth she, That while some worn all mine heart's rest, That I shall go, I will go when you lest. But whereas ye me proffer such dower as I first brought, It is well in my mind it was my wretched clothes, Nothing fair, to which to me were hard now for to find. O gentle God, 
How gentle and how kind you seemeth By your speech and by your visage, The day that naked was our marriage. But sooth is said, Dalgate, I find it true, For in effect it proved is on me. Love is not old as when that it is new, But certes, Lord, for no adversity To dine in this case, I shall not be that ere in word or work I shall repent that I gave you my heart in whole intent. My lord, ye know that in my father's place ye did me strip out of my poor weed, and richly ye clad me of your grace. To you brought I naught else out of dread, but faith and nakedness and maidenhead. And here again your clothing I restore, And eke your wedding-ring for evermore. The remnant of your jewels ready be within your chamber, I dare safely send. Naked out of my father's house, quoth she, I came, And naked I must turn again. All your pleasance would I follow fain, But yet I hope it's not be your intent, that smockless I out of your palace went. Ye could not do so dishonest a thing, That thilike womb in which your children lay, Should before the people be in my walking, Be seen all bare, and therefore I you pray, Let me not like a worm go by the way. Remember you, mine own lord so dear, I was your wife, Though I unworthy were. Wherefore in guerdon of my maidenhead, Which that I brought, and not again I bear, As vouchsafe to give me to my mead, But such a smock as I was wont to wear, And I therewith may we the womb of her That was your wife, and here I take my leave of you. Mine Owen Lord, lest I you grieve. The smock, quoth he, that thou hast on thy back, Let it be still, and bear it forth with thee. But, well, unless thilk word he spake, But went his way for ruth and for pity. Before the folk herself stripped she, And in her smock, with foot and head all bare toward her father's house, forth as she fare. The folk her followed, weeping on her way, and fortune I they cursed as they gone, but she from weeping kept her iron dray, nor in this time word spake she none. Her father, that this tiding heard anon, Cursed the day and time that nature shope to him Be a living creature. For out of doubt this old poor man Was ever in suspect of her marriage, For ever deemed he since it first began That when the Lord fulfilled had his courage, he would think it were a disparage to his estate, So low for to alight, And void her as soon as e'er he might. 
Against his daughter hastily went he, for he by noise of folk knew her coming, and with her old coat, as it might be, he covered her, full sorrowfully weeping. But on her body might he it not bring, for rude was the cloth, and more of age by day's fillet than at her marriage. Thus with her father for a certain space dwelled this flower of wifely patience, that neither by her words nor by her face before the folk, nor eke in their absence ne shewed she she was done offence, nor of her high estate no remembrance, nay had a she as by her countenance. No wonder is, for in her great estate her ghost was ever in plain humility, no tender mouth, no heart delicate, no pomp, and no semblant of royalty, but full of patient benignity, discreet and prideless, aye honorable, and to her husband ever meek and stable. Men speak of Job, and most for his humbleness, as clerks, when them list, can well indite, namely of men, but as in soothfastness, though clerks praise women but delight, there can no man in humbleness him quite as women can, nor can be half so true as women be, but it be fall of new. Pars Sexta From Boulogne is the Earl of Panic come, of which the fame upsprang to more and less, and to the people's ears all and some was known, eke that a newer marchioness he with him brought, in such pomp and richness that never was there seen with manna's eye so noble array in all West Lombardy. The Marquis, which that shope and knew all this, ere that the Earl had come, sent his message for thilike poor silly Griseldis, and she, with humble heart and glad visage, nor with no swelling thought in her courage, came at his hest, and on her knees her set, and reverently and wisely she him gret. Griseld, quoth he, my will is utterly, this maiden that shall wedded be to me, receive me to-morrow as royally as it is possible is my house to be. And eke that every wight in his degree have his estate in sitting and service, and in high pleasance as I can devise. I have no women sufficient certain, this chambers to array in ordinance after my lust, and therefore would I fain that thine were all such manner governance. Thou knowest eke of all my pleasance. Though thine array be bad and ill be say, do thou thy devoir at the least away. Not only, Lord, that I am glad, quoth she, to do your lust, but I desire also you for to serve and please in my degree, without fainting and 
shall ever mow, nor ever, for no weal, nor for no woe, shall be the ghost within mine heart stent to love you best with all my true intent. And with that word she gan the house to dight, and tables for to set, and beds to make, and pained her to do all that she might, praying the chamberers for God's sake to hasten them, and fastest sweep and shake that she, the most serviceable of all, hath every chamber arrayed, and in this hall. About Undern gan the earl alight, that with him brought these noble children tway, for which the people ran to see the sight of their array so richly base. And then at erst among us them they say, that Walter was no fool, though that him least to change his wife, for it was for the best. For she is fairer, they demon all, than is Griseld, and more tender of age, and fairer fruit between them should have fall, and more pleasant for her high lineage. Her brother eke so fair was of visage, that them to see the people hath aught pleasance, commending how the Marcus governance. O stormy people, unsad and ever true, and undiscreet, and changing as a vein, delighting ever in rumour that is new, for like the moon so wax ye and wane, I, full of clapping, dear enough a Jane, your doom is false, your constance evil preveth, a great fool is he that you believeth. Thus said the sad folk in that city, when that the people gazed up and down, for they were glad, right for the novelty, to have a newer lady in their town. No more of this now make I mention, but to Griseld again I will me dress, and tell her constancy and her business. Full busy was Griseld in every thing, that to the feast she was appurtenant. Right naught was she abashed of her clothing, though it was rude, and some deal eke to rent. But with glad cheer unto the gate she went, with other folk, to greet the marchioness, and after that did forth her business. With so glad cheer his guests she received, and so cunningly, each in his degree, that no default no man apperceived, but I they wondered what she might be, that in so poor array was for to see, and could such honour and reverence, and worthily they praise her prudence. In all this means, while she not stent this maid, and eke her brother to commend with all her heart, in full benign intent, so well that no man could her praise amend. But at the last, when that these lordes wend to sit down to meet, he gan to call Griseld, as she was busy in the hall. Griseld, quoth he, as it were in his play, How liketh thee my wife and her beauty? 
Right well, my lord, quoth she, for in good fay a fairer saw I never done than she. I pray to God give you prosperity, and so I hope that he will you to send pleasance enough unto your lives' end. One thing I beseech you, and warn also, that ye not prick with no tormenting this tender maiden as you have done mo, for she is fostered in her nourishing more tenderly, and to my supposing she might not adversity endure, as could a poor fostered creature. And when this Walter saw her patience, her glad a cheer, and no malice at all, and he so often had her done offence, and she I sad and constant as a wall, continuing ever her innocence o'er all, the sturdy Marcus gan her heart address to rue upon her wifely steadfastness. This is enough, Griselda mine, quoth he, be now no more aghast, nor evil paid. I have thy faith and thy benignity as well as ever woman's was assayed, in great estate and poorly arrayed. Now know I, dear wife, thy steadfastness. And her in arms he took and gan to kiss. And she, for wonder of it, took no keep. She heard not what thing he to her said. She farred as she had start out of a sleep, Till she was out of her amazedness abraid. Griseld, quoth he, By God that for us died, Thou art my wife. None other I have, nor ever had, as God my soul save. This is thy daughter, which thou hast supposed to be my wife, other faithfully shall be mine heir, as I have I disposed, thou bear them of thy body truly, at Bologna kept I them privily, take them again, for now mayest not thou say that Thou hast lorn none of thy children tway. And folk that otherwise have said of me, I warn them well that I have done this deed, For no malice, nor for no cruelty, But to assay in thee thy womanhead, And not to slay my children, God forbid, But for to keep them privily and still, till I thy purpose knew, and all thy will. When she this heard, in swoon down she falleth for piteous joy, and after her swooning she both her younger children to her calleth, and in her armes piteously weeping embraced them, and tenderly kissing full like a mother with her salted tears, she bathed both their visage and their hairs. Oh, what a piteous thing it was to see, her swooning and her humble voice to hear. Grand mercy, Lord God, thank it you, quoth she, that ye have saved me, my children dear. Now wreck I never to be dead right here, 
since I stand in your love and in your grace, no force of death, nor when my spirit pace. O tender, O dear, O younger children mine, your woeful mother weans steadfastly that cruel hounds or some foul vermin had eaten you. But God of his mercy and your benigne father tenderly hath done you keep, and in that same stound all suddenly she swapped down to the ground. And in her swoon so sadly holdeth she her children too, That when she gan them embrace, that with great slight and great difficulty, The children from her arm they can erase, O oh, many a tear on many a piteous face, Down ran of them that stood to her beside, Uneth about her might they betide. Walter her gladdeth, and her sorrow slaketh, She riseth up abashed from her trance, And every wight her joy and feast maketh, Till she hath caught again her countenance. Walter her doth so faithfully pleasance, That it was dainty for to see the cheer Betwixt them two, since they be met in fear. The ladies, when they their time assay, have taken her in into chamber gone, and stripped her out of her a rude array, and in a cloth of gold that brightly shone, and with a crown of many a richer stone upon her head, they into hall her brought, and there she was honoured as her ought. Thus had this piteous day a blissful end, for every man and woman did his might, This day in mirth and rebel to dispend, Till on the welkin shone and stars bright. For more solemn in every manna's sight This feaster was, and greater of costage, Than was the rebel of her marriage. Full many a year in high prosperity Lived these two in concord and in rest, and richly his daughter married he unto a lord, One of the worthiest of all etale, And then in peace and rest his wife's father in his court he kept, Till that the soul out of his body crept. His son succeeded in his heritage, In rest and peace after his father's day, And fortunate was eke in marriage, all he put not his wife in great assay. This world is not so strong, it is no nay, As it hath been in olden times yore, And hearken what this author saith, therefore. This story is said, not for that wives should follow Griselda in humility, For it were importable though they would, but for that every wight in his degree should be constant in adversity as was Griselda. Therefore Petrarch writeth this story, which with high style he inditeth. For since a woman was so patient unto a mortal man, well more we ought receiven all in gree that God has sent, for great skill is he proved that he wrought, 
but he tempteth no man that he hath bought. As saith St. James, If ye his pistol read, he proveth folk all day, it is no dread. And suffereth us for our exercise, with sharpest scourges of adversity, full often to be beat in sundry wise, not for to know our will, for certes be, ere we were born, knew all our frailty. And for our best is all his governance, let us then live in virtuous sufferance. But one word, lordlings, hearken ere I go, it were full hard to find a nowadays in all a town Griselda's three or two, for, if there were to put to such a says, the gold of them hath now so bad allays with brass that, though the coin be fair at eye, it would rather break in two than ply. For which here for the wife's love of bath, whose life and all her sex may God maintain in high mastery and elves were its scath, I will, with lusty heart fresh and green, say you a song to gladden you, I ween, and let us stint of earnstful matter, hearken my song that saith in this manner. L'envoy of Chaucer Griseld is dead, and eke her patience, And both at once are buried in a tale, For which I cry in open audience, No wedded man so hardly be to sail His wife's patience, In trust to find Griselda's, For in certain he shall fail. O noble wives, full of high prudence, let no humility your tongue's nail, nor let no clerk have cause or diligence to write of you a story of such marvail as of Grisilda, patient and kind, lest Chichivash you swallow in her entrail. Follow echo that holdeth no silence, but ever answereth at the counter-tale, be not bedaft of your innocence, but sharply take on you this governail. Imprint well this lesson in your mind, for common profit, since it may avail. Ye archiwives, stand I at defence, since ye be as strong as is a great camail, nor suffer not that men do you offence, and slender wives, feeble in battle, be eager as a tiger yon in ind, I clapping as a mill, I you consail. Nor dread him not, nor do him reverence, for though thine husband armed be in mail, these arrows of thy crabbed eloquence shall pierce his breast, and eke his even-tail. In jealousy, I read, eke thou him bind, And thou shalt make him couch, as does a quail. If thou be fair, where folk be in presence, 
Shew thou thy visage and thine apparel. If thou be foul, be free of thy dispense, To get thee friends, I do thy travail. Be I of cheer, as light as leaf on lind, And let him care, and weep, and ring, and wail. So ends The Clerk's Tale by Geoffrey Chaucer.